Stay true, stay real, stay righteous. What are you having to drink tonight, Chris? Hmm, I'm going to have me a Kapowski Amber Ale. Kapowski. Kapowski, it sounds like, like a last name. <laughs> like a Jewish that, last name. <laughs> wasn't that a uh, character off of uh, Saved by the Bell? Was it Kapowski? I think so. Kelly Kapowski? I don't know. Maybe I don't remember how you said her name. <laughs> I don't know. I know what you're talking about now. But... I don't know. So the, that's the name of the beer. But it's by a company. Another, this is another one out of Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Louisville. I said yeah. that the other time. Um, it's by Louis. Company... Hey! Louis! Life of Louis. Remember that? What'd you call me, boy? <laughs> no, this is uh, by a company called Mile Wide Beer Company. Mm, Mile Wide. That reminds me of Mile Wide Island. You ever heard of that? Uh-uh, no. I you haven't. ever heard of Mile Wide Island? I don't think Where so. Where the nuclear reactor blew up? Mm-mm, no. Or no, I- I'm calling it Mile Wide. Maybe it's like Mile Long Island or something. Nuclear reactor? Yeah, it was here in, in, in the United States. I really? can't remember. Yeah, I think it was somewhere kind of up north or something. Um but yeah, it's it, it, it was where a nuclear reactor blew up. Yeah, man, it was kind of like a Chernobyl. <laughs> really, I don't, I have not heard of this. <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. He'll, <laughs> he'll look that up now. He'll talking about Chernobyl. Uh, actually, I think there's been fighting that's been happening around that area. Really? Yeah, like with the Ukrainian Cherno- Russian Chernobyl, conflict. or just around the area. I think in Chernobyl, really been fighting. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I want to see some. That'd be interesting because I feel like. Hey, can it's you imagine? Still, it's still some very like, dangerous. I feel like the radioactivity level is still. Considered, I mean, maybe not. I, I, I maybe don't, I don't. I, I just I just remember the news saying that there was fighting in the area. I'm like, man. I well, I mean, there's a there's yeah. a dead city there, so I mean, I'm like, you well, have, I guess it is territory too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. Yeah, oh. you have buildings, you have cover. I think that'd be kind of creepy to be fighting in like a dead city, you know, that nobody's been for years. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you imagine like some some soldiers positioned up in the top of like a skyscraper yeah. and some kind of mutant creature? That's what I was like, going to say, right? a platoon or something. Right, it would be one of those things where it's all of a sudden the soldiers start disappearing in the night. Right, the most they, heinous acts of the war. Right. <laughs> they never like, knew. Like, all of a sudden you're like, why isn't the news reported on any of that area? Uh, that's all been... <laughs> <laughs> that's all been obtained. <laughs> Putin says... With Strange lights. <laughs> seen over Chernobyl. Mr. Putin, Mr. Putin, why are you not in Chernobyl anymore? Why have you removed your troops? No need. <laughs> don't go there. Chernobyl is uh, not usable. <laughs> it will be nuked soon. He's so pragmatic when he talks. He just looks at the camera and tells you what's going to happen. He's he's literally oh, he's such a thug. It's man. almost it's almost to the to like how comically they always made Russians out in the eighty movies. Oh 80s yeah. Movies and the, I mean, you know, like Rocky. You know, they had right. uh, you know what was his what was his name? What was the the. Uh, Gosh, I don't. I, I don't remember the box. Oh, I know I can't you're remember talking about his name. Dolph uh, Lundgren, though. Yeah. What was it? But anyways, you know, and he, you know, I might miss break you. <laughs> you know, they were always just like, if one. he dies, he dies, <laughs> right? <It's> just, <laughs> you know, that's Putin, all right. Yeah, we're living in pivotal times. We talk about that all pivotal the time. Pivotal times. <laughs> it is. It really. Hey, you is. know, t- speaking of pivotal times, so I was thinking about the immigration issues. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I know it's not something that's really talked about a lot, but I'm in Europe sure, or from or, the south. Well, well, for for the United States. <laughs> so I was thinking about you know we have oh, in the, in the yeah. past few years we've had a lot of issues with um, the border and immigration issues and policies and and how we're handling that. But yeah. 
you know, I was thinking about a lot of immigrants that came to the United States. Um, you know, at times when you when you when you talk to them, it's almost as though they were sort of driven by you know the American dream, this this dream of freedom, mm-hmm. and that I can have this ownership, you know, and 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 have these things that I can't have in my other country. Life, but I liberty. wonder. But but you know, for me, when I think as an American, as somebody who's lived here all my life, when somebody says <laughs> the American dream, <laughs> I think of something that is long past. <laughs> Oh yeah. So I think of it as like the 1950s, you know, nice little White House with a little Donald Draper, you know, the dads out watering the shrubs and mom's inside cooking an apple pie and the kids are reading a book and listening to the radio. Like I, I, you know, that's that's what I think of at the time when you know play that tune again. The idea of the American dream was sort of this, you know, caricature, I guess, Mm -hmm. almost of of, of what a idea. But it really was sort of this this goal that people started sort of pursuing, Mm -hmm. you know, and soon other countries and people living in other countries heard about this and thought, you know, that's great. Sounds great. Like I want that, you know, I want to be able to have my own little house and my family can grow up in a nice, comfortable neighborhood. And, you know, we don't have to worry about food and water and stuff. Mm -hmm. I wonder though, if when they get here, like in, in today's, you know, the way we look at the American dream in retrospective, maybe, and that's not to say that some people don't still feel that it's there, mm-hmm. but it would be interesting to me to ask somebody who is a, a recent immigrant, when you started coming into American society, was it how you pictured it? Yeah. Did it? Is it the way that you thought it would be, you know, or was it something different? Do you still see that same dream being pursuable here? It's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, I would love to ask somebody that question. I mean, one of the things that I noticed has been the fact that they they immediately acknowledge the power of the dollar. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the number one thing. I mean, that's what it is. So I, I don't even know if they're disillusioned about the idea of having, like, the, the white picket fence, mm-hmm. you know, owning the steak and shake, driving down the road and passing it on to your, you know, to right. Sally and, and Harry's at university right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking right, about, yeah. you know. Well, I think a lot of them kind of treat it like the way, like what I do for a living. Like I think, a lo- I think a lot of them yeah. look at it like as an exchange system. I mean, this is what we always it's talk more about. More about the opportunity. The right, opportunities right. are abundant here, right? Well, well or, that's or in this t- or in a capitalistic society, I guess. Absolutely. Well, especially for them, especially right. for them, because I mean, that's that's one of the first things I I came to realize when I jumped into the crypto space. Mm-hmm was the power of the dollar. So, I mean, we talk about NFT gaming all the time, mm-hmm. those play-to-earn concepts mm-hmm. where, where, to keep it super brief, it's basically where you play the game and you get compensated for your time in cryptocurrency. Like, I, I often mention that what surprises me the most is how behind Americans are on it. Because NFT gaming literally is going to be, is literally mm-hmm. the next model of gaming. <laughs> I mean, when you're playing Skyrim and you finally earn the, the legendary sword at level 1,000 or whatever, you've grinded away for 600 hours just to get this, and you finally get the sword, and you can say, man, that was all that was incredible. I've now got this cool item that can decimate armies, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm now god of the world in this game. And you also can sell that sword for $45,000 <laughs> because somebody else doesn't want to put 600 hours into mm-hmm. it. But at the same time, they also want to be god of their own little metaverse and mm-hmm. their own world. Right. So you you have something that is of value. You have something that people want. This is the concept of capitalism itself. Mm-hmm. So this all being the president that's set with that, that is the future of it. 
But what fascinates me is the lack of enthusiasm from Americans because the crypto space, especially like the play-to-earn crypto space, is kind of difficult to get into. It's kind of hard to figure out how to do. There's you know, not like, really any... as like a user? Right, or, or, right. I mean, what am I trying to say? No, no, yeah, yeah. As an average user, I mean, it's just kind of confusing. I mean, there's there's a lot... Of, there's a learning curve to it. There's there's nothing like it that's ever existed before. There's a system that you kind of have to adapt to because you're now working in a completely digital, a completely different mm-hmm. digital environment from anything you've experienced before. So there's, there's a learning curve to it. But it's fascinating how many people in the poorest countries mm. are taking up all of the server space <laughs> in these play-to-earn right. games because they literally can sit down and play these video games that, that compensate you for nothing valuable to us. I mean, less than pennies at times. Mm-hmm. But for them, they literally can put food on the table yeah. by taking that currency, well, exchanging it into their currency, mm-hmm. usable real-world currency, and then going to the store and buying bread. I mean, it's real. Like that's mm-hmm. a, that's it's a fascinating thing. But that's one of the things that I notice. A lot of them seem to be very opportunistic. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point I'm trying to make there. Right. They seem to be very observant, and whenever they see opportunity, they take advantage of it. Um, which is, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. I mean. So the difference I see is Americans are disillusioned with the idea of the white picket fence and the family and the house. And I think that immigrants have come to realize, I literally just want to exchange the currency. Mm-hmm. There's so much power because there's so much fucking money in America. Mm-hmm. There's <laughs> so much wealth here that literally their currency is valuable. And I want to acquire it. Yeah. I'm going to better. I'm going to have better products. I'm going to have better living conditions. I think that's the big difference that I see sometimes do, do with you, that. Do, do you still believe that Americans are still trying to pursue that same well, ideology? I, I think the difference is Americans see what what could be. That's where the disappointment is. Mm-hmm. So on the other hand, you see these people, you know, who come to this country and they and they're able to make the system work really well for them. Mm-hmm. And they may even say, "What do you have to complain about? You all live a lot better than I do." And I couldn't agree more with that. He's he's right. We live we live great compared to most countries mm-hmm. on this planet. A lot of us has seen what has become of such a beautiful idea, an idea of prosperity and equality and liberty for everybody who mm-hmm. lived under it. And because we're not so captivated by the currency itself, because we've we've lived here, anybody who's born in America is born with some form of privilege. Mm-hmm. You you had the privilege of being born in America, <laughs> like holy shit! I don't care how. I mean, literally, that's the thing. You're born into a system I am a that's real American. Well, I mean, you're born into a system that's intrinsically wealthier than the majority mm-hmm. of countries on this planet. So you you have some form of advantage. Right there at the at, at the core of it, but I think as people get older, well, we're kind of conditioned into this ideology that you follow these steps and you contribute to society in these ways, then you'll have the American dream. It's sold to us. People mm-hmm. say that a lot, and it is. It's sold to us. That's what it is. I think a lot of people aren't disillusioned with the fact that it's not awful. A lot of people just are very disappointed with what they came to figure out later on in life. Mm. I think there's lots of people who maybe went to college, and they were like, why the fuck did I do that? Like, they literally drilled that into my head. You remember that. Hell, I remember being in high school my senior <laughs> year, being asked about yeah. it. Where, where's your it's, applications? But, I mean, I think there was also a belief that that was how you got like got anywhere. You had that right. degree. Right, so that was being sold to us. Right. Well, the problem with that, the problem with that is... This all is an evolutionary phase of 
capitalistic privatization. If you were to follow this blueprint in the in the 70s or the 80s, I would say that that it would work very well for you. If you were to compare the cost, the startup cost early in life, and that's I'm talking about literally a lot of people, you know, a lot of people from the 70s or 80s, I did it on my own. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you did it on your own today. The startup cost is is intrinsically going to be higher. The, probably the biggest argument for that is that well, the pay offsets that. Well, you're, yeah, but you're making a lot more. Well, the issue with that is the pay scales where they currently are are far behind what they currently should be. Now, I'm not an advocate for just saying, yeah, I give everybody fifty bucks an hour because I'm not I'm not delusional and I realize that there's economic balance at play here. There's a system at work that's kind of been weaponized though. It's kind of been used because as time's gone on and the privatization has taken over a lot of things that probably shouldn't be privatized anymore or that shouldn't ever be privatized. Like look if you just look yeah. at the stati- if you look at the numbers they pretty much explain it all. And I'm not saying that means anybody in this age has it easier or harder than the persons than, than people prior to them. I I just think there's there's so much more at play that needs to be analyzed. I think at some point along the line the American dream was no longer sustainable. And there's a lot you can look into with that. I mean, you know, you can go into, like, the concept of, like, peak oil in that era and stuff. Reaganism, we talk about that a lot. You know, consume. You know, the <laughs> Wall Street in the 80s by itself tells a huge story about <laughs> about where, what direction institutions went in. And, I mean, that's unequivocally greed. They got very greedy. As time has went on, the people who have ultimately become punished for their greediness has kind of been the taxpayers. Capitalism has succeeded very well. Capitalism has literally taken over. It's a society of its own. It's a system of its own mm. that 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 isn't necessarily something that has to exist within democracy because it within itself becomes its own form of governance. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. Like if you were to strip democracy away from capitalism, we would just be ran by corporations. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, and and what's funny is democracy is kind of blended in with capitalism right now, but we're kind of starting to see that more and more. Right. I mean, you have mm-hmm. things like the World Economic Forum, you know, Klaus fucking Schwab, that crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> you will own nothing, and you will all be happy. Hey, was that the commercial where it had, like, the people flying around and, like, grabbing one another and pulling them up into the sky with them? I don't Maybe know. Not. <laughs> I feel like I saw some weird commercial like that. Oh, it's spooky. And it was sort of like where you don't, like you say, you don't really own, you just don't own anything. Like you rent. It's almost like you rent everything or right. something. In my opinion, I think that's kind of what's happened. Well, I mean, it harbored one of the most horrible innate desires of humanity, and that's greed. Because, I mean, greed is so satisfying. Think about having enough of anything. I mean, it's. I mean, it can it can easily consume somebody. It makes sense. I mean, it makes perfect Don't sense. Don't worry about it, man. Who doesn't want? So, who so doesn't do want you, more? So, do you believe? Hey, Chris, think of the concept of heaven. What do they always sell you with heaven? You'll have anything you ever want for eternity. It's paradise. So, we're even sold on the idea that you're gonna get some. You're gonna get more. <laughs> so, so do you think with that though, as as things are changing in our world? For Americans, do you think our idea of what we want is going to change drastically? Yes. From life. Because what we're witnessing is probably one of the most interesting experiments in in history right now. Democracy blended with capitalism. Like, this is probably the Mm. truest form of seeing that. 
because the politicians are super fucking corrupt right now. I mean, my God, everybody, knew the news stations are propagated. CNN is so fucking left-wing, it's unreal. Fox is insanely right-wing, it's unfucking real <laughs> Like I mean, propaganda. It's pro- it's all propagated. I mean, li- I mean, we literally are, are in. We're living in Blade Runner now. We're like <laughs> we're like the corporations, oh, you know. Where Meta owns a vast amount of shares of Fox because hey, capitalism, right? Let's create. Hey, let's let's make it to where you can buy portions of the company. That'll really empower people. Like, what the fuck happened to craftsmanship? <laughs> what what the hell happened to everybody living in the little community and the guy was the blacksmith and the dude was the baker and it the guy was mass the produced. We went we went mass production. Industrialization. <laughs> You're right. Seize the means of production. So think about the elements at play in this experiment. <laughs> think about it. You've got you've got democracy, you've got capitalism, mm. you have industrialization, so you've got like major innovation that that both promotes democracy and capitalism. And on top of it, you've got these <laughs> weird fucking monkey creatures called humans that are participating in doing all of it. But what we're seeing is, I think, I think because we're living, because the experiment has now came to a point where the civilization has become so aware. Because information is so shareable, it's so easy to access data that you probably never would have even had mm, access yeah. to, you know, 10 years ago even. I think that's throwing a really interesting kink in all of it because it's starting to break up an illusion that we've kind of been sold. Mm-hmm. And we've been told, go work this job and function in this level and, hey, get promoted within. And what a lot of people are finding is, like, it's just not fucking worth it anymore. People get promoted in the workplace, and then all of a sudden they find themselves doing three jobs. You know, and so, I mean, everybody, everybody's it, seen it, that before. At times it seems like competence starts to become sort of a punishment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of times that's due to the infrastructure of the business. That's what capitalism tells us to do. Strip it down. Make that fucking money. The problem. Cost, cost cuts. Cost cuts. Always looking for cost cuts. It almost makes you sick after a while hearing it. But that inherently puts humans in a very uncomfortable position because that's putting pressure on people that doesn't have to be there. All simply based in the premise of greed. Profits. That's, that's, Profits, Michael. That's the only inherent issue with humans is once we acquire lots of things, we really like to fucking hang on to it. <laughs> we really don't like sharing when Borders. we get lots. Absolutely, and that's the other thing that people, are, a lot of people, are sold on. A lot of people who kind of made it, who's gotten there, will maybe even debate that the American dream is still alive. But I think a lot of them don't realize that you did what it took to get in. You're in the club now, but it's really hard to get there. Like it's very fucking hard to get there. What are you prepared think, to sacrifice? Well, think about what you have to give up anymore. You don't get to you don't get to buy extra food at the grocery. You don't get to go out on the lake this weekend. You have to do all this. You have to you literally have to live this this robotic lifestyle of saving and structuring and recalibrating finances and seeking higher positions and functioning through this grinding ass fucking environment that that does nothing but turn you into a mechanism of it. And that's what you begin to feel like. You just simply become to feel like a fucking cog in a robot. Yeah. And I think that's what's become so disenfranchising because things like COVID-19 really expose the idea. People working from home, they're like, man, I'm spending more time with my family. I'm with my kids. 
And at the same time, I'm just as, maybe if not more, productive. So a lot of people started questioning the concept of modern business as it is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, or, you know, organizational structures. And you've seen a lot of businesses go straight, you know, completely remote and stuff. Some people don't like it. Some people still like the traditional work setting. There's many people that do that. I notice a lot of older people <laughs> seem <laughs> to be the ones that generally enjoy the traditional work setting because I think yeah. a lot of them just kind of feel that that's, you know, how it's supposed to be. But, um, no, I think work from home is the most brilliant concept ever to happen to capitalism simply due to the fact that it can at least give people some some of their life back. You know, maybe people would say that, you know, there's not enough social factor there. I would well, say... that's perfect for the introverts. <laughs> we, we love that. <laughs> right. What? I don't have to interact with another human being for the entire day. I can sit here with my dogs. It's glorious. And just do my work. Oh, it's glorious. Well, Chris, as always, it's been good. Absolutely. And if you enjoy what you heard tonight, we are streaming on all major platforms. And you can check us out on any of our social media accounts. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, everybody stay true, stay real, stay righteous.